It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. What is going on? It is the day after the Hall of Fame announcement. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker going in. couple Philly guys moving slightly closer. One, a couple of people thinking that might have got in. He didn't. But I think next year might be his year, and that's Kurt Schilling. We'll get into it right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. But a little shout-out, JT Real Muto will be on in a few minutes. Let's go. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there. Coming Coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pie Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen. At Kevin Franzen on Twitter. That is right. Send any of your questions in, comments. You might hate this. You might love it. Let me know. Mostly the positive stuff because I'm all about positive vibes in this world. But look, last night, great great for baseball. Derek Jeter getting in. Who cares about unanimous or not? Willie Mays was not a unanimous, unanimous, unanimous elected I keep saying unanimous because who cares? The greatest player that ever played the game, Willie Mays, was not a unanimous Hall of Famer. And he is the greatest player ever to play the game. He's better than Derek Jeter. So they, just get out of there with that. Who cares? Two guys made the Hall of Fame. One in Derek Jeter, everyone knew, and one that a lot of people fought for for years and finally gets in, and Larry Walker, what a hell of a career. You talk about people that around the game that talked about not only just the talent that he had, but the instincts, and the instincts you can't teach. The base running, the play in the outfield, obviously he has all the accolades. Um, Playing in Coors Field, oh my God, I can't believe a guy from Coors Field got in. Have you ever looked at Larry Walker's numbers outside of Coors Field? Yeah. Pretty good. So I think when when you think of a Hall of Famer, I think of Larry Walker as as being one. Doesn't need to be in the first. Doesn't mean anything. There's been in recent years so many guys that are phenomenal that have gotten in. He's getting his time. He and Derek Jeter this year. Congratulations. Um, for Larry Walker, just a little FYI outside of Montreal and, uh, actually outside of Colorado, you ready for this 278 hitter, 865 OPS, not bad for the road, not bad at all. Home obviously got skewed to a 1068 OPS, but I mean, the guy was ridiculous. The guy. Had MVP-type numbers. 
he had in 94 in 103 games in the, the strike-shortened year, 44 doubles, 19 homers, 86 RBIs, hit 322. Oh, by the way, he played for the Montreal Expos. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, Kurt Schilling, obviously, for Phillies fans, or maybe hurting the fact that he didn't get in. 216 wins still. A uh, few more than than Roy Halladay. Big game pitcher. Everyone knows how dominant of a pitcher Kurt Schilling is. Look, the Hall of Fame is about your baseball career and how you you lived during that time. And he didn't kill anyone. He's made some really really off language, you know, comments and and off color comments. To me, that shouldn't make or break your 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 Hall of Fame candidacy. Unless you were doing these things and saying these things at all times, like when you were playing, you were just disgusting. And and I, I get that. But Kurt Schilling, next year, will have his day. Almost an 80 war. He is a pitcher that hit the postseason prowess is unbelievable. So he will get his time. Derek Jeter, we don't need to say anything about Derek Jeter. He was, he was a Hall of Famer. It's all famer. I think uh, for me, being able to play against Derek Jeter, that was absolute treat. Um, he knew my name. A little short story. So 2007, playing in San Francisco, the Yankees come to town, play against them. I, mean, I, I have no idea who he is, you know, or he has no idea who I am. I know who he is. I end up going, getting invited. I got invited to the Derek Jeter All-Star party in San Francisco that year. Uh, so I talked to him. Couldn't say that I had ever said a word outside of of that. And then till 2010 with the Angels, we're playing at Yankee Stadium. I sat the first two games. I get there. Second game, I'm on second, or the third game, I'm on second base. There's going to be a pitching change, and he comes up. He goes, what's up, Kev? Like No one calls me Kevin. Everyone's like, hey, what's up, Franny? He's like, what's up, Kev? Like it better here than in, in San Francisco? And I looked at him. I, I honestly didn't say a word because I was like, what did you say? Like, you knew? So ultimate pro. Like, that I mean, it might be a stupid story to some people, but, like, when you're – a nobody when you're a utility guy come on everyone say i'm a nobody because i am somebody to my mom and dad to my wife to my my daughter so but you get what i mean like in, in the baseball world you're not Derek jeter and he knows you and, and and that's so pretty cool with that uh fired up for larry walker uh for canada fergie jenkins and larry walker are the only two rob thompson's got to be fired up bench coach for the phillies because of a former player of his and guy that he coached. He was there actually that day coaching third. He actually experienced the, my A-Rod one. I'll get in that on air one day. That was really fun. But until then, congratulations to the 2020 class. I'm fired up. I think it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal experience for those and uh, those around. So for me, obviously, um, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, former Phillies, Starting to get a little bit more ground. Larry Walker proved that you could get there, um, you know. And it, it, for two two teammates of mine, and and Barry Bonds, and 
and Omar Vizquel starting to pick up steam. But look, for those that have problems against Barry Bonds, you're you are absolutely allowed your your opinion on that. It's the greatest player I've ever seen, will ever see, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Sorry. Do what you want, but I'll fight for for that 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 man. He may have been bad to the media. He may have been bad to some teammates, but he was unbelievable to me. And I was taught as a young kid, go with how people treat you, not with how people talk about those other people. Make them prove it. And so for Barry Bonds, I hope that he gets his day and he will get his day. I do know that. I do. I believe. Anyway, let's go to the 2020 Phillies. Let's talk about one of the best seasons we've seen in a long time out of that catching position. So I had a chance to catch up with JT Real Muto. Let's hit it. What's up? I'm here with JT Real Muto on Pine Tar for breakfast. It is a gorgeous day here at the ballpark. JT, what's up, man? Oh, what's going on? Happy to be here. This is a first time on the show yeah well with that yeah i try it but uh you know greg doesn't let me have you ever greg Greg protects me pretty well yeah it's kind of tired to be honest with you (laughs) so you know this is a a podcast of like it's not like you want to go an interview we just have fun yeah just chat yeah i like the word chat so let's chat about this what's your thought about this view oh it's beautiful how easy is the game from here you forget (laughs) yeah You forget how beautiful ballparks are when you're only down on the field. You know? Yeah. It's way prettier from up here. You can see the skyline so much better. Uh, I know it doesn't feel very good down there right now because it's freezing, but it definitely looks pretty. And th- th- this is not throwing you under the bus if it's here or not. If it, Squatting back behind home plate, what's your favorite view? Like, Is there a place where you, you have to step back and sometimes you go, dang, this is awesome. Oh, man, that's tough. And I, we're not talking about Marlins Park and the damn yeah, that, thing they had in the no, no, in, in no, left center. That one's brutal. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not from home plate, but my favorite one is probably San Francisco. Yeah. Because just going on the concourse and looking out behind yeah. the field, I mean that one's that one's pretty special. But to be honest, they all look pretty similar from home plate. They obviously have their different structures, but you're not seeing a lot behind the field. See, for me, like. I, I I grew up in San Francisco, so like that was it was great, it was awesome. But that was like that was like home, Pittsburgh for. It's, that's actually one that came to my mind when you said that. But oh San God. Francisco just outranked it a little bit. So um, this yeah, year, Pittsburgh's beautiful. Doing a game there, I, like I had just I started watching the monitor because I kept on just like looking out, going, <laughs> "Oh, that's gorgeous! <laughs> yeah. It's amazing! It is. It's a nice one. It's so it's up. I mean, you got like think about this, like you get traded over here in in February last year. Um, nothing's really changed other than you know just another gold glove or gold glove, another silver slugger, all MLB team, another kid. Nothing has changed. It's unbelievable. It's crazy to be honest. It's been a pretty whirlwind <laughs> of a year. Uh, the only thing that would have made it better is maybe a little postseason burst, maybe the World Series. You That's know, coming. other than that, yeah, it was a pretty good year for for me and my family. So. Hopefully we can we can take that next step next year and get this team to the playoffs. For for you, you go. People are always say, but it's like, look, you're always going to be appreciative of the Marlins. Maybe you're not. I don't know, but like you're always going to be because that's a team, right? Like that's mm-hmm. who brought you up. But to come to a, a franchise where you have a fan base that's always, you know, they they live and die by everything that you do. What was that like for you? It was it was an unbelievable difference, to be honest. And 
not not to knock Marlins at all because, no. like you said, they gave me an opportunity of a lifetime, and um, they took a chance on me as an 18-year-old kid, you know. So I have nothing but, but great memories of being there. But just when you come here and, and you experience this fan base and the passion that they have for the Phillies and all the sports teams here in Philadelphia, it truly is mind-blowing, and it just it gives you a certain sense of – of adrenaline that you can't get anywhere else. Like when you're down on that field and this place is packed <laughs> and you're coming up for an at bat, I mean, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Well, it's different for you too. Like it, people are always going to say, Oh, whatever. But it's like, you're a catcher. You're and you're playing 140, 150 games. That matters to have that, that added adrenaline shot by, by the fans just being here. No and being loud, especially once you get, I mean, when you get to game one thirty, you are dead. <laughs> your body, your body doesn't feel like your body anymore. I'm telling you before the game, after the game, you are just exhausted. And when you come out on the field, having people in the stands makes you completely forget about that. What point of the season, when you get back at the clubhouse, do you sit in your chair and just go oh, for the first time? Do you think? First is that one thirty? Yeah, one thirty is probably a little late. It's probably <laughs> more around one hundred. But as long as I mean, this year, you know, we were in the race yeah. all the way up till to the last month or whatever. So even around one hundred, I was still like I was ready to go. My body felt great. Once we got out of the playoff race, and and that's when it really hit me, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. But as long as you're in it and you have something to play for, which is why I'm I'm so glad that I'm here. It makes the season so much better. Everything. It, it just makes it go by way faster. I just laugh because, like, when you do that and, and you think about it, so everyone's already, you know, they they put it on ESPN, they've shown your numbers. I'm looking at your uh, best, your football numbers right now. Uh, but I, I think in, in a in a world where we specialize so much, right? And you played three sports and and phenomenal. And I'm looking two thousand yards passing in uh, your senior year, fourteen hundred yards rushing. Damn, <laughs> you're bad. But like you 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 look at that and you go. That in basketball made you this, right? I mean, I, I would I feel like because I, I played everything growing up, and that's what made me a baseball player is oh, being yeah. an athlete. Like how drawing like comparisons, like just to, as far as you know, in, in baseball season, you're probably exhausted after playing a full season of varsity football and varsity basketball, mm -hmm. full season of varsity baseball. You're like, oh my god, exactly. And and to be honest, once I finally made it to baseball season in High school, it was like a break finally. You know? <laughs> football, you, I mean, I was, like you mentioned, I, I rushed a lot more than most quarterbacks, so I was just getting exhausted every game. You know, I, I mean, I was tired out there. In basketball, you're tired the whole time because you're running up and down the floor. Once I got to baseball, I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> you just have to run the bases every now and then. Other than that, it's pretty easy. Especially then, I was a shortstop, so I wasn't squatting yeah. down. I played the whole game. But, yeah, no, playing multiple sports for me was, was absolutely key in my development as an athlete. And um, there's no doubt that it's still helping me to this day, just having the athleticism behind the plate that I wouldn't have had if I would have specialized. You know, just playing baseball, who knows how different my, my career would have been. But I know for a fact that I wouldn't be the athlete I am today without those other sports involved. I, it, it's weird, but you put yourself in Joe Maurer. Like, if people were to really look at it, it's the only reason why I think people talk more about Joe Maurer as being the athlete was that – he grew up in Minnesota, played in Minnesota, and did all that. Well, mm -hmm. you, from Oklahoma to here, you're like, eh, it's not the same. It's the same. Yeah, you're all world and everything. And so now it's like it's freaking cool. Do you watch the NFL? I do. And you being a running quarterback, like like Lamar Jackson, like 
love it. Now, <laughs> yeah, let me it. let me clear the air. I'm not half the no, 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 no. But no, 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 no. But that, that but that's that not it, the point. The point is like you're seeing great athletes, right? Yeah, it's. And it's you really played cool. that position. Yeah, and I, and I know what he, he goes through on a nightly basis as a quarterback to be running like that all the time. I mean, I don't – especially when you're in the NFL, the guys that are hitting you are three times the size, you know, as high school kids. So it's pretty special what he does. Just the, the athleticism and, and still being able to throw like he does is, is unbelievable. You know, the one thing I've always wanted to, to do is get drilled in the NFL, be a quarterback, and then have the, the – the, you know, the offensive coordinator, the head coach on the mic going like, <laughs> and you should like be like, oh man, my bell's wrong. I would play. Like, like, what is going on? <laughs> like like Fly- Flacco's kid goes to the same preschool as my daughter. And I want to ask him that. I want to be like, how many times have you heard like the Charlie Brown teacher in your, in your headset? Yeah. You know what I would like you to ask him? Cause when I play, obviously in high school, we mm-hmm. didn't have headsets, you know, they're calling plays yeah. on the sideline. Ask him like how, how, how many people first of all are in your ear? Like is the head coach? talking to you they like just multiple? the offensive coordinator or is there like multiple voices going on are they like some up, days it might seem like multiple when, when does when does when does it click off though are they are i they think it's 12 seconds it's like 12 15 seconds into the clock into the play clock okay see like they know that. like to left so once they break the huddle i think it cuts off okay gotcha because i was wondering like are they standing at the line of scrimmage and the offensive coordinators up there telling them what defense they're well in? it's like the nfl like or the nfl like the college football what i hate more than anything is they get to the line and then everyone steps back and looks back at the coach. It's like so boring. Stop it. Yeah. Like call <laughs> your play. Just run the and play. And if you're if you're smart enough, you can audible off of that whole thing. It's like it just the college game is is great and all. I get it. Four hour games are not great. No. We're experiencing that in baseball. I mean, if you have an Oklahoma kid and and well Kyler Murray and doing his his thing and now going to the NFL, but like you see the baseball side and you're like I wonder how boring it is, like going from college football to the NFL, because it like in the in college football it's like constantly going, mm-hmm. and now you got to huddle up and you got to slow it down. <sighs> Methodical drives. Methodical, brutal defense. There's actually defense, right? <laughs> He's going from the Big Twelve. I mean, yeah, the, Big Twelve, yeah. Big Twelve, the NFL is a little different. All right, so people are probably going to be annoyed on Pine Tower for breakfast about NFL talk, but I don't care. Uh, you're the leader of the uh, of the bunch. You are. I mean, the the catcher calling signs but the way you go about your business i think that's like my favorite thing when everyone talks about you it's yes we know the ability we know what you do launching homers and it's everyone talks about how much you care i it it just seems like that's always been you like can you go into that a little bit just like what 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 is for jt every day you go to the yard you have a book in your hand and the book is not reading it's scouting reports like just kind of general day for you yeah, I mean, uh, just to get back to what you were mentioning, first for me, like baseball is, is legitimately a, a passion for me. So when I come to the field, like I love and, and winning is, is my main passion. So like I want to be on a winning ball club and I want a chance to go to the playoffs and win a World Series. And like that's literally all I care about in baseball. So when I get to the park, it's from the moment I walk in till after the game, like that's all my mind is really set on. So – as soon as I get there, I, I go through my normal routine of, of the scouting report, spend usually an hour, hour and a half, especially the first day of the series. It's a little longer um, to, you know, just watch video, look over the numbers, uh, try to really know the other opposing team's hitters in and out, and know their tendencies. Um, and that's really one of the most important jobs I have. All the physical stuff is important, obviously, but the game calling and the running of pitching staff is the most important part of my job. So that's why I spend the most amount of time doing that pregame. 
I, I mean, Greg's behind you right now, but it, it, he and I've talked about it. I, I think there's one person in this world that you should have mixed with here, and that's Chase. The 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 wanting to win more the, like the need for winning is beyond anything I've ever played with. Uh, and, and that's what I see with you. I, the, the Aaron Nola for me, I always look at Aaron and I always, I'm not ever comparing him to, to Roy Halladay, but the way he went about his business and goes about his business mm-hmm. might not be the 4 a.m. workouts, but that dude is constantly working. I mean, like for, for me, when, when you go about your day, do you ever go on the, the video and just kind of, is it always locked in on your Sky Reporter? Do you kind of like, I want to check out that at bat I had the other day. Like, do you ever do that? <laughs> there's definitely, there's times for the at bats, but uh, that's usually um, after BP, I'll go in and watch my own at bats and do that stuff. But when I, when I go in for the scouting reports, it's, I'm usually pretty locked in. Obviously, when we're playing the Nationals for the 18th time that year, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't need to be sitting there watching five at bats of Anthony Rendon. Like I know, yeah. you know, but especially when we're playing new teams or the first day, like first part of the year, I spend a lot more time on it, and I, I try to stay as locked in as I can because you really, really rely on that stuff when you get out behind the plate, and it just gives you confidence in what you're doing, and it gives your pitchers confidence in what you're doing. So. I'm glad you brought up the Nationals, and it's not because they won the the World Series, but because the guy you brought up. More stressful knowing you have to go into a series to face Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, or is it not even close. The, the, the lineups that you have to navigate through and try to get your guys, you know, in, in, in the team a win? The lineups, and it's not even close. It's be- <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I, our team got so much better this offseason <laughs> by <laughs> Rendon leaving and Donaldson yeah. getting out of here. I mean, that our team got five games better just by those guys not being in those lineups. It's, it's much more stressful – on me. What, what's it about them? Like, like those those guys and how they they change lineups and obviously the break. They they both have great lineups. Absolutely. But those guys just individually. Those, well, so Donaldson. I mean, obviously he can do damage at any time. But him protecting Freeman is a big deal. That was people aren't don't realize mm-hmm. how important that was for Freddie Freeman in the season that he had. So we'll it'll help us navigate through their first three hitters a lot more, knowing that Donaldson's not coming up behind them. And not that they won't have a good yeah. four-hole hitter, but Josh Donaldson's a different animal. And, and it goes the exact same with Anthony Rendon. Him being in front of Juan Soto is like, how, how do you get both those guys out in a row? You know, one of them's going to get on, and hopefully the next one doesn't do damage. You know, so that helps us a lot. And uh, to go back to your question earlier, for me, like when I'm going in to face Scherzer or those guys, mm-hmm. you you have your – your plan and your attack, but when you step in the box, everything is gone. You compete. You're competing. Yeah. All that stuff doesn't matter because what he does to other guys, he's not going to do to you. Or what he did to you last at bat, he's probably not going to do this at bat. So you can't, you just got to step in the box and compete. When you're behind the plate, it's more methodical and there's a lot more um, thinking that goes into it. You're competing at the plate is a lot different than mine. Like I was like surviving. You're you're like I'm gonna launch right here. Like I can <laughs> promise you, there's times when I'm stepping in that box and I'm like, oh, just get out of it. Don't strike out this that. Whatever well, you do. I mean that that's the funny thing you say because I, I think when when people think of a, a silver slugger and the best you know offensive player at that position, and the defensive side, but the offensive side, the mental thing and it plays on you, wears on you. At that position, it's the hardest. Like you're, you're the aches and pains. You got, you know, you got drilled on the forearm from a, you know, ball in the dirt. You're having to. How do you get over that stuff? Like seriously, like because I, I'm sorry, I've I, I've had you know one hoppers off my forearm, and 
I like consider myself <laughs> tough, but I got like a dead arm for about like a half an hour. I'm going, what am I doing? How am I supposed to hit? Yeah, it's definitely different. Uh, I mean, I have a little, I have this bone bruise I get on my index, my left yeah. index finger, and that sometimes when it gets really inflamed, I mean, I'll go up to the, the plate sometimes thinking like, ah, this bat might fly out of my hands here, you know. And as a catcher, you're obviously going to be more beat up and more tired for your bats, but um, that's just part of the job, to be honest. It's it's why catchers typically aren't as successful mm -hmm. as far with hitting is because you know we have a lot more wear and tear on our bodies. But um, I take pride in, in being able to do both, and it's something that I can hopefully do for my whole career. I played with Benji Molina, and he caught like this, and, I, and, and I'm I'm holding up my fingers. Not like you would think a, in a catcher's mitt, your fingers are flat. He caught him with his the tips of his fingers pointing towards the the pitcher. His hands would look normal, and then Linscombe would throw, and his hand would blow up because of it. Just he said it was different. Is there a guy that does that to you? Like maybe he throws a sinker that's a little bit, you know? Uh, Sir Anthony is really his team, absolutely, because he it just takes off. It just takes off, and it, his fastball never does the same thing twice in a row. One of them cuts. <laughs> well, how hard is runs. that? It's it's impossible. He's he is the the hardest guy on our staff to catch, which is probably why he's one of the hardest guys to hit, is because. You don't know what's coming. I mean, it's coming at 97, 98, and some of them cut all the way across the plate. Some of them go the other way. Some of them ride. I mean, it's just he's the guy who he'll blow my hand up more than anybody just because it's I'm just trying to catch the ball back there with him. If healthy, how excited are you to have him back? Very. He's gonna he, <laughs> he will he will be an absolute different difference maker for our bullpen um, if he can be healthy and uh, that's that was really the key for last year. We weren't able to stay healthy, and that's that's extremely important for us this year. Zach Wheeler coming over and uh, obviously face him. I mean, being in the division your whole career with him in it. Um, how nice is that? Amazing. <laughs> it's just nice not to have to face him anymore. He's the same way as Rendon and Donaldson. Like, so glad that we don't have to face that guy again. But I, I think he's really going to be huge for our pitching staff. Just being able to pair him with Nola at the top. I mean, that's that's having two aces mm -hmm. on your staff, really. And, and, and he'll, you, I've heard him say himself, like, he feels like he can take big strides this year of even getting better because his stuff is that good um when you hear that like as, a, as the catcher you're going yeah, yeah. do you get fired up about oh, him absolutely. saying like you watch because you like that. to see those guys yeah and the how they way, speak it's the same way nola is i mean they're constantly wanting to get better and that's nola's that's like this super focused i just want to um All yeah <laughs> just gonna go dominate today like, yeah. wait what wait what uh, yeah we, more no i'm just gonna go bye guys yeah. and you're like you you have faith in him yep. because I mean he does it. You know where he's focused at. Super focused and always confident in himself, and and Wheeler's the same way. So I'm pretty excited to work. Do with you, him. I mean, obviously you've 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 faced him and all that stuff. So now you look at it from a different per perspective. Do you watch film on him? Absolutely. Already, like you're. In, in so I've already watched, obviously, because I faced him. So yeah. much. I've watched a lot of film on him. Yeah. But uh, particularly, you know, the first week or so in spring training, I'll be in the video room watching, you know, two or three, four of his games. Um, watch how he likes to work a lineup and pitch differently, you know, second or third time through, and just try to gauge and, and get a feeling on, and then obviously talk to him about it and see what his thoughts are. Because a lot of times pitchers' thoughts are different than what you're actually seeing. On the mound, <laughs> you know? so, well, it's like it's like the hitters like staying on, oh, ball, uh, yeah, stay on exactly. top of the ball, and they're like, you're actually like uppercutting like yeah, no other. Like. Exactly. So <laughs> it'll be good for me to get get in there and, and kind of pick his brain a little bit. Do you? And it might be stupid to ask this, but do you watch games that he sucked in to see, the, like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying 
But maybe the games that he gave up, you know, he might have had quality stuff going, but, you know, teams hit him. Do you watch that? Because Absolutely. And, and he's actually a guy who his best outings, he's, I mean, he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. But then you'll see him go out there in outings and he'll go, you know, six runs and three innings. And you're like, how? Because his stuff looks the same yeah. when you're watching. You're like, how is that happening? Um, but I'm not, I don't know a ton mechanically yeah. about pitching, obviously. Yeah. I'm more like on the mental side and, and the game <laughs> calling, but. I actually talked to Brian Price about this, and, and he, he will be able to go and watch his starts and be able to look exactly what he's doing differently mechanically from one start to the next and, and be able to help him in that way. You're not the guy that, you know, you see all these catchers that are coming up, <laughs> they catch the ball and then like – Yeah, tell them the pitch. Yeah, keep the shoulder in. You no. should just do that randomly like, this year, though. Know, I don't know that much about <laughs> pitching, so I'm not going to tell you what to do mechanically. I mean, that's just not my, my position. You bring up Brian Price uh, and, and – Nothing about the past. It's just all going forward. What does he bring? He he's for you. Be, he's gonna be phenomenal for me and for our pitching staff. Because uh, obviously, I work with the pitching coach a lot mm-hmm. daily, talking to him all throughout the day about scouting reports and and all that. But um, I just think he has so much experience, and I've talked to three or four pitchers that he's worked with in the past that were on his teams, and they all absolutely loved him. Every single one of them had the exact same response. And they all raved about how good he was and how well they, he worked with them. Um, I think he's just going to be able to instill a lot of confidence in our guys and be able to work with them on their strengths and just knowing who they are as pitchers. Joe Girardi, even better. I mean, <laughs> Dude, I mean, this I'm guy's presence you, is unbelievable. It, every every person said the same thing to me about his presence and how he handles himself, and um, I, I really truly am extremely excited to play for him. I feel like he's going to be able. to – bring the best out of us and, and bring out the best out of me specifically just with his experience behind the plate. I mean, he's done it. At the, like we, we talk about the Yankees yet, but this is, you're talking, he did it with the Yankees with the AL East being ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he managed through games and he has that experience. He has that calm about him, but he also has that, that sternness. And have you talked to anyone that's played for him that, that you know, that, you have Didi. experience with? I talked to Didi actually before. In Didi. which language? <laughs> I, only, I only have one. I can't claim to have more than that. But Papiamento. I talked to him uh, actually before he signed with us. We were on a trip together in Cabo, and Nike. you know Nike trip in Cabo, and he was telling me all about Girardi and, and how much he loved playing for him. And um, you know, for some reason, there when Girardi got fired from the Yankees, there were talks about him being tough on the players, and Didi was just explaining to me like that was absolutely not the case, and. How everybody loved playing for him. And it's the media drawing their hold, own thing. He, well, he's going to hold you accountable. Yeah. Which who who doesn't need that? Like that's great for a ball club. And if, if the media thinks that's being hard on players, like that's what you need. So um, I, I just think there's a certain amount of accountability that we're going to be held to, and, and that's what we need. What are you going to be like when the first time he goes, doing be like, you're you're down, you're not playing. Are you getting? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't know that side of me yet. Yeah, because so I, I remember going in and I was like, "What's up, dude?" You're like, mm. "Yeah." The late in the, the year, late in the year, there was a time where you need you needed the break. I was like, "What's up?" And you're like, "Whoo, yeah, how you doing?" Yeah, that, that's about that game 140. Once you start getting, <laughs> there, I, I actually look forward to the off days. But up until then, I usually I fight him pretty hard. But now he ha- obviously he has a, a lot of experience in that, and he knows he'll know my body by that point. Yeah. So. Um, we'll, we'll have good communication on when I need to play and when I need to rest, so it wouldn't be a problem. I, I, I mean, it's crazy to think that you're going to have, you know, you go Don Mattingly, and then you you have Gabe, and then you get here, and you have Joe Girardi as well, and you're going, that's a, that's a lot of like just 
presence right there. And Don Mattingly's one way, and then you know Gabe's another. But Girardi's. I I've been around a lot of managers in my career. There's someone that I've never seen a presence like this other than maybe Boach. Yeah, and I, but Boach walked in. It was his head that was so huge that like made it made you like whoa. Yeah, his presence is unbelievable. Just the way he handled. I mean, when when he's talking to you, like you are paying attention, no matter who you are. Uh, we were at a banquet together last night, and 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 he gave up gave a five minute speech, you know, and it's like he's he's calling out all these amateur athletes that nobody in the room. <laughs> at least I didn't know who they were, you know, and he's so focused and diligent in his process <laughs> and his preparation. Like, like he damn. knows all these amateur athletes by name. He's calling out their numbers. And like, <laughs> I'm like, these kids are probably so pumped that Joe Girardi knows who they are, but like, that's just how focused and how much he does his work. And that's for, you know, a five minute speech. So imagine what he does getting prepared for a game. He did a Phillies charity thing here, uh, end of November, December. And he gave, he went up, Gave a speech. No, it wasn't even a speech. He just talked about him, his family and, and his mom and the hope. And we, everyone's like, whoa, taken back, right? Because it's not scripted on the whole thing. End of the night, girl gets up there, and she's been battling cancer off and on for years. And she's now got a, a form of cancer that is basically like the, you know, the end's coming. Mm -hmm. And she's got a, a daughter. And she looked at him, and she goes, Mr. Manager, like thank you so like your hope the hope you talk about is what i have and i'm like that guy just won everyone yeah. and not because he was trying to no it's genuine it's genuine every time all right here we go this is the this is the greatest part of the the pine tar for breakfast podcast what we got waffle or not you want to play why might as well okay it's either you waffle these guys or you don't it's okay. pretty easy okay pretty awesome what you got here anyway I'm going to stir it up. Where am I going to go? A.J. Cole. A.J. Cole. Um, so the Nationals for a little bit. I would say I don't because I remember I remember having some good at-bats and hitting some balls hard off him, but I remember them all none of them falling for hits. So I would say he's a not-waffle guy. See, that's Eric Stoltz for me. Yeah, you had no strikeouts. You're one for 12. Yeah, I hit him hard. Probably didn't strike out any. Yeah, I mean, I don't have stat cast on here, but it's okay. That remembers. I remember. Uh <laughs> Aaron Nola. Uh, definitely not good. I know Nola. I mean, I had no success off Nola. What was it about it? He's tough. I mean, he's he would I throw mean, that dang right on right changeup right <laughs> under my bat every time. I, if, every time he would come up next time, I'd be like, dude, throw me something else. I'm not going to hit your changeup. But you knew him, and you, like now you know him, and you're like, no, he's no, just going to. Makes sense. He can do whatever he wants. Tanner Roark. Rake. <laughs> Absolutely waffle. Waffled. My last 14 game against, for 30. My last game against him, I think I went four for five off of him. Somehow he got five at-bats in one game. Maybe it was four for four. How was that possible? It was four for well, four. You got, three, you got three doubles a homer, only 11-33 OPS against him. Not bad. That's pretty good. How about Jake? I'll take that. Arietta? Yeah. Uh, waffle. Not a lot of at-bats. Two homers last year against him in Miami, though. One game. He didn't like that. <laughs> I brought it up to him. I was going to say, do you agree? <laughs> so you have six hits against. You're six for 16. You have five extra, but two doubles, a triple, and two homers. I like that sinker. He runs that fastball right back into my back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like that, I would love for that. Well, it was like Cole Hamels for me. Yeah. You got him? I got him. Like, for whatever reason. He There's like, just certain guys you see. Right? And then you get dominated by the guy, the Eric Stoltz of the world. Exactly. You're like, oh, my God. Uh, okay. Cole Hamels. 
I don't remember specifically. I know I hit a double off of him this year. I would say uh, Waffle. Five for 13. Three doubles. My bad. 1044 OPS. I'll take it. I'll take it. Sean Newcomb. He dominates me. Cannot, I literally <laughs> cannot hit that guy to save my life. He throws a fastball. He'll throw it right down the middle, and I swing through it every time. I cannot hit his fastball for some reason. And he knows Spin rate. Me. Spin rate. Yeah. You know what? The one time I did hit him, I hit him in the forehead. Remember that game? Against yeah. Last year? A line that was. That was him. It's weird. He was back the next day. It's crazy. Yeah, I didn't hit him hard enough. <laughs> oh, did he didn't win. What he are the numbers deal? on him? It's, he strikes me out a he, lot. He's too. two for 20. You're two for 21. Yeah. How many Nine Ks. Oh. Yeah. That makes me want to throw up. <laughs> How about Scherzer? He dominates me too. I knew I did hit a but home see, like, off him, but it he he dominates everybody. Exactly. What do you, yeah. like? I want to. I I probably should have looked this up, but like, who owns him? Like, yeah. who goes in there? Not and, many guys. Probably some lefties might own him. I guarantee you, there's very few righties in the game that own him because he 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 throws that little rising fastball yeah. up and away. And I know even when I know it's coming and I'm cheating for the fastball, I foul it back every time because it's got like that. You know the late life that everybody talks about. Last the last three, they're all free agents this year that signed. Who we got? Strasburg. Strasburg, I dominate him. Yeah, waffle. Definitely. Two trips against him too. Two dubs, two trips. No Four fourteen. Doesn't matter. Don't need waffle. Him. You don't need him to waffle. Don't need him. Just get hits. What? What are the how Wheeler? Many? Oh, oh, you were uh, you're eleven for 28. 10, 20, 10, 21 OPS. It's Dees. I'm, I'm not, not going to lie. That's pretty pretty damn good. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Uh, I can't wait to rub it in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I waffle him. <laughs> but I think I almost hit like 500 off of him, right? Yeah, you're 8 for 18. That's 444. Two doubles, 10, 10.06 OPS. That's. Uh, I mean, you're kind of sad that he's like coming over. No, no I'm you're not, not at he, all. Because even when I was getting hits, he was dominating us last year. I think he beat us every time. So we're basically talking about $600 million right here in this whole thing because we're going to conclude it with Garrett Cole. Yeah, I waffle him too. But that was uh, I haven't faced the Houston I, I, Garrett Cole. I was but the, you're never going to face the Houston Garrett true. Cole. That's true. The Yankees was the I mean, he guy. could be different. I mean, you're right. You're right. No, um, I, I got him pretty good in Pittsburgh. You want to know? Like, you want to know what pretty good is? Let's hear it. What do we got? 10 for 14. You think that's good? 714, a 1643 OPS and a homer. Right center homer, too, in Pittsburgh. I remember that one. That's a bomb. And not the juice balls. Yeah, I always saw him well for some reason. I once uh, hit a ball off him uh, one inch. It went one inch? One inch. It hit behind the home plate because I was so late on the fastball, and it rolled out an inch in front of home plate. And Russell Martin picked it up and tagged me out. <laughs> and I go back and I go back and Char and Charlie was the manager at the time and he's like, Hey, Kev, like, I mean I uh, I've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, Chuck, thanks. I appreciate that. He goes, No, I I went to a Lily game the other day and I didn't see that off a tee. I'm like, You kidding me? Sounds just like Charlie. Well, thank hey, 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 what's up? Oh hey, Greg. Yeah, this guy, Charlie Manuel, the man. Anyway, JT, thanks for coming on Pine Pleasure, Talk for man. breakfast. Thanks for having me. Have fun this year. Can't wait to call your games. and uh, Yeah, can't wait to get out there.
clear water. Hopefully it warms up a little bit before the season well, starts. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be warmer in Florida. It's going to be warmer in Florida. No Not doubt. here. No, it's miserable <laughs> here in April. Thanks, dude. Just a phenomenal interview with JT. Well, actually, it wasn't the, about the interviewer. It was about the interviewee. And he opened up, and he got to be relaxed. And it was awesome to hang and, and see him outside of the park. Well, actually, we were inside the park, but let's be honest here. Outside of, of him working, because that's what the guy constantly does. That is why he produces at the level that he does. And for me, it is an absolute treat to talk to him and watch him. Anyway, have a good one. Pine Top for breakfast at Kevin Franzen. Kevin Franzen! Where's out of here?